0: Welcome to this message from Eastwood Baptist Church, one church with two locations in Bowling Green and Alberton, Kentucky. To learn more, visit eastwoodbc.org. Now, may the Lord bless you in the hearing of His Holy Word. Grab your copy of God's Word, go with me to Second Peter, Second Peter. Hey, did you hear about the guy, that farmer that was arrested at the gym the other day? Yeah, I mean, that dude was destroying his calves right in front of everybody. <laughs> uh, yeah, I read this, lead, uh, this, this feature article the, uh, this past week, and uh, it was this article on uh, hairdressers that are just going to the gym in groves. And it's kind of a crazy article. I mean, it turns out that their favorite exercise is curls. Oh, come on. Did y'all wake up this morning? Did y'all get out of bed or what? <laughs> oh, you said if you tell better jokes, we'd laugh harder, right? <laughs> well, last month, this dude, he made some New Year's resolutions, and he was going to go to the gym work out, so he finally went. He didn't know much about exercising, and so he went in the doors of the gym, of the gym there to work out, and he, he found him a trainer, and he said, Man, what does that machine right there do? And the trainer's like, Uh, Sir, that is a bench machine right there. And the guy was elated. He's like, great, I'm going to sit right there on that bench. I didn't feel like working out anyways. (laughs) And then finally, did you know that when Chuck Norris finishes a workout, the gym takes a break? All right, We've had some fun a little bit with exercise this morning. But guys, listen, exercising is no laughing matter. We all should take time to work out our bodies. The experts tell us that there are a lot of important things to work out but probably the most important part of your entire body, and it's one of the parts that we often ignore, is our core, all right? Take a, che- take, take a look here at this, this image here. Here's a picture of your core, all right? If, if you need an anatomical picture, there you go. So it's the front here, your midsection, your back, your sides. It includes your abs, all right? It includes your, on uh, in the back, erectus, uh, erectus spinae. Um, it, it, it includes your obliques, your lats. All those important muscles, all right? So your core is basically from your ribs down all the way to your pelvis. And it it, it involves some very um, um, important muscles. Uh, The experts tell us, especially those of us who sit at desks often, we're more sedentary in our lives, we should especially focus on strengthening our core because it has a lot of really good benefits to it. Um, It helps prevent injury. If you have back pain, it can help alleviate back pain. Um, it can better protect your internal organs, your central nervous system. It can give you strong, confident posture as you go out through life. And of course, You will turn some heads when you go to the beach. But this morning, I declare to you that you have to be aware not only of your physical, bodily core. You need to be aware of your physical, of your spiritual, I mean your spiritual core, your biblical core, your theological core. So today we're going to focus in on strengthening our theological, biblical core. All right, as we continue in our series called Hashtag, my new life. We're focusing in on the measures of Christian growth here at Eastwood. Each of these measures are characteristics of a person with new life in Christ. And whether you're a new Christian or you've been a Christian for a lot of years, you still have new life in Christ. These are measures that should be indicative of your life in Christ. Jesus, and our unique set of measures here for Christian growth at Eastwood, they're best remembered by the acronym SAMUEL, all right? And so we've been going through these, Pastor Tom and I have been going through these, and so four weeks ago we looked at S, which stands for what, church? Service is what it stands for, and the question is, am I using my spiritual gifts? Service, am I using my spiritual gifts? Three weeks ago we looked at the letter A, which stands for what? Abide. That's right, abide. The question is, am I meeting with God daily? Last week we looked at the letter M, which stands for missions, and asks this question, am I ready to go? Today we're going to focus in on that fourth letter, the letter U, which stands for understanding. That's what it stands for. The U stands for understanding, and asks this question, am I growing in core biblical Truth. That's the question that you and I have to answer for ourselves this morning. And so the title of today's message is Strengthening Your Core. And to help us strengthen our core today, please stand to honor the reading of the Word of God this morning. Our passage comes from 2 Peter chapter 3, 18, uh, 14 through 18 there. As you stand, remember, at Eastwood, we highly value the Word of God. And so today, my sermon will come from this text. 2 Peter chapter 3, beginning in the 14th verse, says, there, uh, says Therefore, beloved... You, therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you're not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Let's go to God. Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask that you would come and illuminate this passage, shining your light on this passage that we might understand it, God, not only what it meant, but what it means today, God, because your word is living, it's active, it's sharper than any two-edged sword, and it is as relevant today in 2019 as it was when it was written. And so, God, I pray that your people would be fed your word today, God. Help us to understand it. God, if there's anybody again under the sound of my voice who is yet to repent and believe on Christ, we pray today would be the day that they would come to Christ and be saved. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said... Amen, amen. Grab your copy, again, grab your copy of God's Word. Stay in it with me here as we continue to work our way through it. So, are you growing in core biblical truths? Now, another word that you're going to hear around the church for biblical truth is the word biblical doctrine. And there may be some among us here this morning who are a little bit afraid of doctrine. Maybe you've had a bad experience, right? You believe, perhaps, that doctrine divides. You believe that doctrine just leads to fussing and arguing and people getting all mad and taking their ball and going home. Maybe you even believe that doctrine just confuses people. So you believe that instead of emphasizing doctrine, that we should de-emphasize doctrine and just focus on Jesus. Maybe your, your, your catchphrase would be, just preach Jesus, preacher. And I say to you this morning, while that sounds really spiritual, there is more to the Bible than the doctrine of Christ. Now don't get me wrong, the doctrine of Christ is the apex of doctrines, right? He's the highest of doctrines, but there is more to the Bible than just that doctrine. And you and I need more from the Bible than just that doctrine. That's why Apostle Paul, when he met for that final time with those Ephesian elders, he said with much joy he said this in acts 20 verse 26 and 27 he said this he said therefore i testify to you this day that i am innocent of the blood of all for i did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of the word of god you see church this morning paul didn't give the ephesians a partial understanding of scripture amen Right, He didn't want to just give a portion or a sliver. He didn't want to just give partial. He didn't want to deliver half of the counsel of the Word of God or even 75%. He wanted to deliver the whole counsel, the entire counsel of the Word of God. And you know what? The Ephesians expected no less. They desired to hear the whole counsel of the Word of God. They weren't afraid of doctrine. They were hungry for doctrine. They, they were hungry for a spirit-filled man of God to open up the word of God and declare, thus saith the Lord. And I pray that the people of Eastwood would be hungry for no less this morning, all right? You need not be afraid of biblical doctrine. In fact, you should long for it, you should seek it, and you should cling to it. Why? Why? Well, our text here in 2 Peter 3 gives us two reasons why we should do that. The first reason is that biblical truth will keep you clean and holy. Everybody say clean and holy. Clean and holy. All right, look at Apostle Peter here. 2 Peter three fourteen says, Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at Peace. Now, the the second, the, the, the context here as he's writing this is about waiting for the second coming of Jesus. That's what he's talking about. That's the context here. We just got here in 2 Peter 3, one of the most important passages of Scripture concerning the second coming of Jesus Christ and the certainty of the second coming of Jesus Christ. I say to you this morning, beloved, do you believe that Jesus is coming again? Do you believe that? Say amen. If you believe that, right? It's going to happen. Whether you believe it or not, he's coming. And it'll be the time when you least expect it. Therefore, we must be ready. That's what the Bible says here. How will he find us when he splits the eastern sky, okay? And I pray that we would find, that the saints of Eastwood Baptist Church would be found, as it says here in this text, without spot or blemish. That means that he would find us morally clean and spiritually holy. You know, that's exactly what he's commanded us to be. This God that the angels cried out in praise and declared, calling him holy, 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 is the same God who told us in the book of Leviticus, and then again in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 16, speaking of himself, he said, you shall be, what church? Holy, holy as I am holy. Holy. You and I, we are supposed to be holy, but how? How are we supposed to be holy? Well, the ultimate answer is Jesus Christ. You see, when we turn from our sins and trust in Jesus, we are imputed with the righteousness of Christ. And do you know how holy the righteousness of Christ is? It is holy, holy, holy. And that means that when you repent of your sin and trust in Jesus, that perfect righteousness of Christ is credited to your account in heaven so that when God looks at you, He sees the righteousness of Christ. He sees that holy, holy, holy righteousness of Christ. There are some of you here this morning who need to turn and trust in Jesus to be saved, to be holy. You see, your personal holiness, your actual holiness will never be enough to get you into heaven because the truth of the matter is is that you've already fallen short. You've already fallen short. You may come in here with a testimony and you may think that you have, 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 have come in. Maybe you were in the gutter and you were in drugs and alcohol and doing all these things. You were in the gutter of life, All right. And you've got this miraculous testimony. But you know what? Those things are deadly. But one of the most deadly sins on planet Earth is the sin of self-righteousness. The sin that says, God, I don't need Jesus' righteousness because mine is good enough. I stand before you today. That's my testimony. I went into all that stuff. I mean, I was the I, I was the, the honor roll student. I was the captain of this and the leader of that and the president of this, right? I mean, I was I was the one who was doing all those things. And if a person were to look at me back in those days in high school, they might have said, Well, that dude's a Christian. Look how good he acts. But I was on my way to hell because I was banking on my own self-righteousness. The truth of the matter is, is that there is no one who is righteous. No, not one. And so if I'm hoping to get into heaven based on my righteousness, I am done for. You need, if you're here this morning, to trust in Christ. You see, the standard to enter into heaven is perfection. That's the standard. And the only way for you to get that perfection is by grace through faith in Jesus Christ And so when you turn from your sin and trust in Christ, you will be made holy, holy, holy by the righteousness of Christ. And so we are perfect, perfectly holy because of our position in Christ. But here on earth, you and I are not as holy as we should be. We are not as holy as we are going to be. So how do you grow then in the holiness of God here on earth? And the answer is... Through the Spirit of God, applying the Word of God to our lives. We need both, right? We need the Spirit and the Word. But for today's purposes, I want to focus in on the Word of God. You see, without the Word of God, without the Word of God, you and I will never be found without spot or blemish when Jesus returns. The psalmist said in Psalm 119, verse 11, he said, I, I've stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. The word of God guards us from sin. The same psalmist, several verses later in Psalm 119, verse 105, said, The word, your word, God, is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And so I say to you, beloved, without the word of God, you will be walking around in sin because you have no lamp to light your way and eventually you will have a spiritual catastrophe. You will hurt yourself spiritually. The, the, for Christmas this year, I, I made my wife this, this big old six foot high, king size shi- uh, 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 shiplap headboard for our bed. It, it, it turned out pretty good, if I, if I must say it so myself. Pastor Will helped me with it, and I, I did uh, the painting and all that stuff. He helped me to construct it, but it, it's really beautiful. But, not nearly as beautiful as my bride, by the way. <laughs> but nevertheless, I, I made it just a little bit too wide. And so my, my, my nightstand that used to fit between my bed and my wall no longer fits. And so I had to take the nightstand and I moved it to the end of our bed, closer to the door there, and, and, and left it there because I still had stuff I needed in it. And I thought, well, maybe this will work down here at the end of the bed where I can just get stuff when I need it and whatnot. But you know what that did? It was great during the day. <laughs> I could just work my way right around that and zoom through it. But at nighttime, that became a death trap. <laughs> I mean, it was bad, y'all. I mean, again, at nighttime, I would get up in the middle of the night because, I mean, I'm almost 40 now. And so you get up more in the night. And so I'm walking down through there. And I mean, I'm feeling around because I know that thing's there. Where is it? Because I don't want to break my toe off. Guys, we need light in darkness or we will break our toe toe off. This world is dark and not only do we need light physically, we need light spiritually and there's no other way to maintain a life without blemish, without spot, without the Word of God, without biblical truth. You see, God's Word not only tells us how to avoid sin, God's Word tells us what sin is. Without the Word of God, you wouldn't even know what sin is. And so if we're going to embrace biblical truth, if we will embrace biblical truth, we will stay clean and holy according to our text here today. But not only will biblical truth keep you clean and holy second, we see this this morning, is that biblical truth will keep you safe and secure. It'll keep you safe and secure. Look at 2 Peter 3, 16 and 17. The Word of God says there are some things in them. That's Apostle Paul's writings, all right, that are hard to understand. Can I get an amen? (laughs) I mean, right, we've all been there before. When we're reading reading Apostle Paul, you know, one of his epistles there, and you're like, I don't know what in the world he's just saying. (laughs) You know, it's like, you know what this means? I don't know what it means, right? It's just deep. It's hard to understand. And so if you're ever there and you think, man, I have no idea what Paul's trying to say, you're in good company. Peter didn't know either. <laughs> Peter didn't know either, but he says there are some things in them that are hard to understand, with the, uh, which the ignorant and unstable watch this church twist, twist to their own destruction, as they do other scriptures. You therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability. Man, it is a dangerous world that you and I live in. Not just physically dangerous, theologically dangerous. Martin Luther, the great reformer, wrote that classic Christian hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. And There's a line in there for the first verse of the second stanza that says, And though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us. Does that not describe reality? Do you not feel in your life as you traverse in this world that the dark forces of the devil trying to pull you down, to break you, to undo you, and one of their greatest strategies, the forces of darkness, one of their greatest strategies is is to not take away the Word of God, but to twist the Word of God. You see, they don't have to completely erase truth. They don't have to completely erase truth, right? They they, 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 they only have to deceive enough to where a half-truth is what's put forth, right? And church, you know well that a half-truth is a whole what? lie. A half-truth is a whole lie. And if we put our hope into a lie, you're hopeless. You're done for. Therefore, we must guard biblical truth because it keeps us safe and secure. The New Testament, in fact, has a few places where it names names of people who were once in the faith, orthodox in the faith, right in the faith, Believed right and practiced right. And then their doctrine got twisted. And they made a shipwreck, the Bible says, of their faith. They were once in the faith it looked like. And then it turned out that they were not. For instance, we read about two men named Hymenaeus and Alexander in 1 Timothy. Chapter 1, verse 18 through 20. Here's what Apostle Paul writes. He says, This charge I entrust to you, Timothy, my child according with the prophecies previously made about you, that by them you may wage the good warf- uh, warfare, holding faith and a good conscience. By rejecting this, some, listen to this church, have made shipwreck of their faith, among whom are Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I've handed over to Satan, that they may, not, that they may learn not to blaspheme. The next book of the Bible, Second Timothy uh, a man named Philetus is lumped in with Hymenaeus as well, and, and, and by extension, Alexander, I suppose. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 16 through 18. Apostle Paul writes But avoid irreverent babble, for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness, and their talk will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus, who have swerved from the truth, saying that the, re- that the resurrection has already happened. They are upsetting the faith of some. Now, did you catch that? If you were to ask Hymenaeus and Philetus, in particular here, brother, do you believe in the resurrection? They'd say, absolutely. But their doctrine was twisted. I believe in the resurrection, but it's in the past. There's not going to be any future resurrection. That's what they would say. See how they twisted that there? And it says here that they, as, uh, to use the words here, they're upsetting the faith of some. Their, their, their doctrine is gangrene. Their doctrine leads to more and more ungodliness. Maybe you know people in your own life, in your own circle of influence, in your own social networks who were once in the faith, but then their doctrine went to seed, got all twisted up, got all, got all jacked up. And now, they may profess to be a Christian, but if they believe In what they profess to believe, they are lost. They're lost. We have to guard our biblical truth because it keeps us safe and secure. Of course, time and time again, Jesus called the Pharisees false teachers. He said, man, you follow these dudes, they're going to fall in a pit, and you're going to fall in the pit with them. And Scripture warns us about false teachers in general on on several occasions. For instance, Jesus said in Matthew 7, 15, He said, beware of false prophets who come in sheep's clothing but inwardly are ravenous wolves or like even in the book that we're focusing on today 2 Peter chapter 2 verse 1 2 and 3 2 Peter 2 verse 1 2 and 3 the bible says this but false prophets also rose uh, arose among people uh, among the people just as there will be false teachers among you several more in the scripture, right? The the Bible is full of warnings such as this. But beloved, listen to me very carefully this morning, okay? Suffice it to say that if you don't strengthen yourself in core biblical truths, you will be easily pulled away. You must know what you believe and why you believe it. I've often heard preachers say this, and maybe you've heard preachers say this, that the Mormons and the Jehovah's Witnesses' favorite target is a Baptist church member. Because a lot of Baptist church members have heard, for every Sunday, the message of salvation, and they just heard someone preach salvation, 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 but they've never been taken to the rest of the Word of God. They don't know the, the, the whole counsel of the Word of God. Their preacher has been giving them a one-point sermon their entire life, and they are sitting ducks for false preachers. Because they don't know what the whole counsel of the Word of God says, you know. I mentioned to you earlier from that great Martin Luther hymn, "A Mighty Fortress Is Our God." The second verse does indeed begin, and though this world of devils filled should threaten to undo us, but here's how that verse continues. It says, "We will not fear, for God hath willed His truth to triumph through us." What's going to triumph, Church? God's truth. The devil doesn't stand a chance, y'all. If you will strengthen yourself in core biblical truths, one little word will fail him. And in the Bible, guys, we don't have a little word. We have a big word. We have a powerful word. This is the word of almighty God. It is powerful. We need to know it's teaching because biblical teaching, biblical truth, will keep us safe and Secure. So, so, so what should we do? Guys, in light of what Scripture says here in, in, in 2 Peter 3, what should we do? Here's today's takeaway for you. Today's takeaway is this. Grow. Grow in understanding core biblical truths. That means with all your power, with all your might, with all your passion, with all your mental capacities, seek to grow in understanding core Biblical truths. Guys, these are truths that separate Christianity from non-Christianity. These are truths that will create a strong foundation for all other biblical teachings, all other biblical truths to be built up on. This is our core. And we need to strengthen ourselves in them, which is exactly what Apostle Peter tells us here in in 2 Peter 3.18 as we finish out our text. It says, but grow, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory, both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. That means that we need to grow in core biblical truths and never stop growing. Never stop. How, how do you do that? Well, you do that by studying the Bible concerning them. You do that by getting alone with God in his word and then getting together with other Christians in his word. We also do that by hearing preaching from faithful Bible teachers about them. And you also do that by reading what what Orthodox Christians, uh, faithful Christian authors have written about them. Now just like your physical core, y'all, if you ignore your biblical core, you will be weak and flabby. But if you will give yourself to strengthening this biblical core, you will be strong and stable. So what is core what are the core biblical truths as I've searched this out these are the 10 that rise to the top for me now you and I might quibble a bit over a few of them being in the top 10 now hopefully we wouldn't quibble over whether or not they are true we just might quibble over whether or not they're in the top ten, right? Something you think is maybe more important or a little different should be in this top ten. That's fine. Uh, something may not be on here that you think should be, but this is a pretty good list. And if you'll strengthen yourself in these areas, you will have a strong core. The first core biblical truth that I commend to you this morning is that the Bible is God's Word. Amen? It's God's Word. It, it doesn't just contain the Word of God. It, is the Word of God through and through. It is inerrant. There's no error. It is infallible. It will never be surpassed. It is sufficient. Everything that it addresses, we need no other source to get truth about it. And it's authoritative, right? What it says do, we should do as divine revelation from God. What the Bible says, y'all, God says. And we should trust every word of it. We should believe every word of it. And we should do every word of it. But the Bible is God's word. Second, I would say to you this morning, the core biblical truth is that God exists and created all things. You see, God is the great what? I am. Right? He as an eternal. That's pointing to his eternality, right? His eternality, right? He, is, he always was. He always is and he always will be. He is the triune God of the universe revealed as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And this God who is created all things. There is nothing in existence below the earth or on the earth or above the earth, including all of the universe that God did not create. God exists and created all things. Third, I would commend to you that mankind is God's special creation. Now, while God made all creatures and amazing creatures, to say the least, mankind, though, is a special creature. He's a special creature. Therefore, all human beings are infinitely precious. They're infinitely precious because there is no other creature on the planet whom the bible says has been made in the image of god no other creature on the planet no other part of creation is made in the image of god therefore all human beings are infinitely Precious, regardless of the color of their skin, regardless of their mental capacities or their physical capacities, regardless of their place of birth, regardless of their socioeconomic status or, 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 or the status of being in the womb or being out of the womb. And I wish someone would tell the depraved and mind, reprobate minds in the states of New York and Virginia that mankind is God's special creation. It should be precious to us at the beginning of life, which is at conception to the end of life. At no point does a person ever stop being a special creature in God's eyes. Fourth, I would commend to you that mankind by nature is sinful and lost. Mankind by nature is sinful and lost. Now, while God originally created us holy and connected to Him. The Bible says that through Adam and Eve's sin, that we all became sinful and lost. Therefore, every boy, every girl born into this world needs a Savior. There is not a person on the planet that does not need a Savior. As I said earlier, you will never be good enough to earn your way into heaven because one sin is enough to make you fall short of heaven, okay? And like Lay's potato chips... You can't eat just one, right? We don't just have one sin. We are covered in sin. Mankind by nature is sinful and lost. Sin is what sinners do. And lost is what sinners are. But fifth, I would in. that's the bad news. Number five, I want to commend you the good news. The good news is this, that Jesus, fifth, fully God and fully man came to save mankind. As I just said, the bad news is that we're sinners and need a Savior, but the good news is that we've been given one, amen? We've been given a Savior. Who, what's his name? <laughs> yeah, Jesus, y'all. Jesus. He, God sent his only begotten son to save us from our sin. He was conceived and born of a virgin. He was fully God and fully man. He lived that perfectly moral life that you and I can't live, and he died that wretched death on the cross that you and I deserve. And on the third day, he rose again from the dead to prove that his life and his death are sufficient to save us from our sin. Everyone who will repent and believe on Jesus. Jesus, fully God and fully man, came to save mankind. That brings me to number six. The sixth core biblical truth I would commend to you this morning is this is that salvation is by grace through faith in Jesus. It's not by works. Y'all, it ain't by works, come on. It's not by merit. It's not by self-empowerment. It's by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus alone. And every sinner who will turn from their sin, it doesn't matter what you've done or how many times you've done it, every sinner who will turn from their sin, and trust in Jesus, will be saved. Amen? Amen. Seventh, I would commend this to you, the saved. The saved will grow to become like Jesus by the Holy Spirit. Do you know what you call something that doesn't grow? What do you call it? Dead. Everybody say dead. That's what you call something that don't grow, okay? So if you are in Jesus Christ, if you have trusted in Christ by grace through faith in Jesus and you've received that, then you are alive, the Bible says, which means that you will grow, right? You will follow Jesus and you will grow to become more like Jesus, putting off that old self, putting on the new self and being conformed to the image of Christ. And this is all empowered by the Holy Spirit. Number eight, I would commend to you this as a core biblical truth that you should grow in, is that the saved are secure in Jesus. Praise God. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love, that's our testimony. But by the grace and power of God, he holds us fast. Those who are truly saved will never be lost. Though we may go away and backslide or whatever word you want to use there, we will come back Trusting in Christ, clinging to Christ. Jesus said this, John chapter 10, 28 through 30. He said, I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand I and the Father are one. The saved are secure in Jesus. Number nine, I would say to you, the church. The church is God's saved people. If you're saved, y'all, you're part of the church. And if you're part of the church, guess where you should go? Two Church, you should go to the church building, all right? I'm preaching to the choir today, right? You should go to church. You're here. Praise God that you're here. But you know what? We get that. Th- that's the easy part for us, right? That's what we do. You know, you, maybe you, grow, you, you grew up going to church, or you're, you're committed. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to be at church. But here's the part that we often miss. The church is God's safe people. If you are part of the church, you should go to church. And outside of the church building, guess what you should be? Everybody say the church. (laughs) you got to take what we have here and go live it, right? It's not contained. The church does not exist. Inside these walls, the church exists wherever you are, church. You are the church. This building could be blown down tonight. And you know what? The church would still exist at Eastwood Baptist Church. It's not the building, it's you. Go be the church. The church is God's saved people. That's what saved people do. And finally, I would commend as number 10 for you this morning as a core biblical truth is that Jesus will come again to bring in the final age. That's the context of the whole passage here in 2 Peter chapter 3. The book of Titus calls the return of Jesus our blessed hope. That means he's our rescuer, man, that he is coming. And as Jesus went away, just as Jesus went away, he will return again physically, bodily to bring an end to this age and to usher in the everlasting age the eternal age now you and i might debate back and forth about the timing and the stages and you might whip out this chart and i might whip out this uh, chart and we might disagree a bit over the 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 intricacies of the book of revelation and the book of daniel and things like that but one thing is clear y'all Jesus is coming back, right? He's coming back to gather together his people and to punish those who are not his people, bringing righteous judgment upon the world. Jesus is coming back. Beloved, these are your core biblical truths, and you would be wise to grow in them. You would be wise to grow in them. I wonder as you look at that list, is there an area where you're shaky? One of those doctrines as you look down through there, like you're like, yeah, I know that I, I, I believe that, but I don't really know why I believe it. I couldn't defend it if I had to defend it. you got to be able to not only know what you believe, but why you believe it. You need not only to be able to declare what you believe, you should be ready and able to defend what you believe. That's what we're talking about when we say grow in these core biblical truths, to know what you believe, why you believe it, and to be able to defend what you believe. 25% of Americans are, over, are, 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 are obese. That means that 90 million Americans have a flabby core. And you know what? When we think about spiritual core, the church often reflects that. That the church is oftentimes filled with men and women who have flabby biblical cores. Weak theological cores. This morning I pray that you've been challenged to strengthen the core. I pray that it would never be said of Eastwood that we have a flabby theological biblical core here's my final prayer this morning may your core be stronger as you grow in the word of god hi there this is pastor ben I have something really important to ask you, but first I wanna say thank you for taking the time to make this digital connection with us through our podcast. I hope the message you just listened to was a blessing, but an even greater blessing than this digital connection would be for you to connect with us in person this coming Sunday at one of Eastwood's two campuses where we get the joy of living life together in Jesus' name. And now for that really important question, which is the most important question you'll ever answer. Where do you stand before God? Now, based on what you've done, the straightforward answer is that you stand guilty and condemned before God. You are a sinner who completely deserves God's wrath forevermore in hell. And I deserve the same thing also. I mean, every person does. Guys, that's terrible news. And even worse is the fact that there's nothing you can do in and of yourself to change that. You need a Savior. But I have good news. God loved the world so much that He sent Jesus to be your Savior. Jesus came and lived the perfect life that you cannot live and He stood condemned on the cross dying the death you deserve. And three days later, Jesus was raised from the dead to prove to everybody that He is indeed the Savior of the world. And now Jesus longs to change your standing before God by making a trade with you. He desires to take what you've earned, which is the wrath of God in hell, and to give you in return what he has earned, which is the blessing of God in heaven. When this trade happens, instead of standing guilty and condemned before God, you will stand forgiven and righteous with the promise of everlasting life. So what must you do to have your standing before God changed? First, Admit to God you are a sinner. Second, hate your sins. Turn from them and ask God to forgive you. And finally, turn to Jesus in faith and love, putting your complete hope in Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, and follow him until the day you die. Wherever you are listening to this podcast, Jesus is ready to make this trade with you, and I pray that you would trust in Jesus and be saved. Thank you again for connecting with us. And I hope to see you soon at Eastwood Baptist Church.